Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from listeners like you. Learn how you can support the show and get exclusive access to podcast episodes not released to the public by visiting patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner. But the greatest is reading every book and then coming across one like yours that just stands oh. out and is special and is beautiful and I really oh, thank you so I much. sincerely mean that I feel I, I feel all the feels and I feel like I shouldn't tell you a single thing right now because we are not on recording yet and when we're on recording <laughs> then I would have to repeat every single thing I'm about to say but um, that is amazing and I love hearing that on the book's actual birthday it's like the best gift you could have given today you're released congratulations Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's been a crazy day, but um, I, I've been loving the outpouring of support. And to hear that from you, it just means so much. The kitchen is clean because somebody cleaned it. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 572. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Helena Kuri, author of The Paper Kingdom, illustrated by Pascal Campion. In our conversation, Helena talks about the invisible people of our society, or rather, those that we have a tendency to make invisible. Helena's parents were night janitors, much like the parents in the paper kingdom, and Helena recounts stories of going into work late at night with her parents and the fantastical stories they would make up about the people who worked in the offices during the day. I had a lot of fun recording this conversation, and I love this picture book. I hope you enjoy listening. Please welcome my guest, Helena Kuri, author of The Paper Kingdom. My name is Helena Kuri, and I go, I'm a she, and um, I am an author of children's books. I live in Los Angeles, and um, I live here with my husband and our adorable French bulldog. And my latest picture book is The Paper Kingdom. It just came out today, so it's the book birthday of The Paper Kingdom, and I'm so happy to be talking with you. Congratulations on your book birthday, Helena. It's such an exceptional book, as said, and um, I've really been looking forward to our chat. Oh, me too. This is your, is this your second book out, I believe, right? This is my second book. My first book was The Turtle Ship, and that came out in 2018. Oh, I know The Turtle Ship. I believe Lee and Lowe, oh, correct? Yes, oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I know that one very well. It is a beautiful book. Um, yeah. I think that might have been what, what first perked me up at all to to um, even picking up 
Paper Kingdom. Uh, before oh, yeah. I even saw a cover, before I knew anything at all, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I know, I know that book. But I tend to be mm-hmm. quite a fanboy of the stuff that Leon Lowe is doing. Yeah, yeah, they do important work too. With their I focus think that on diversity. Oh yeah, I mean, I think that not only the focus on diversity with what they're publishing, but how they are supporting teachers, supporting readers. They they yes. really are cared about. Uh, they they really care about every every aspect there, and it's it's a mm-hmm. wonderful thing. So to debut with them uh, is beautiful, mm-hmm. and to be with Random House for this next book and have it mm-hmm. be an exceptional and beautiful and important book that I think shows us um, a mirror for children that perhaps um, don't often see their families mirrored uh, mm-hmm. is is a really wonderful and beautiful thing. So why don't I ask you, if you don't mind, to introduce mm-hmm. The Paper yeah. Kingdom to folks? Sure. So The Paper Kingdom is a book based on my own childhood. When I was very, very young, maybe about three or four years old, my parents worked as night janitors in L- in L.A. So at night, they would go clean an empty office building um, near downtown L.A. And on most nights, I had to go to work with them because they couldn't afford child care. So if a friend or relative couldn't watch over me, I went with them to work. And, you know, a kid doesn't want to be woken from sleep and taken to work in an empty office building. But sometimes they made those nights so incredibly fun for me. They would tell hilarious stories about the people who worked in the offices during the day. They would zoom me around in empty wastebaskets as if they were race cars. And I just remember, of course, I remember them working hard. But I also remember being together with them and just having fun. And so I wrote The Paper Kingdom because I wanted to show that sense of wonder and fun in a situation where um, it's actually not realistically fun. You know, just because you're in a situation where it's a little depressing or sad, you can always use your imagination to make it a better situation for yourself. And I wanted to tell that kind of story with the paper kingdom. And also, um, this story was really important for me to tell because night janitors are not people that you notice normally. They're kind of the invisible people of society. And I wanted to kind of highlight these people, my parents, me, and show that, hey, we can belong in a book. We can belong in a piece of art. So that was really important for me, too. I love knowing that you, in some way, have been preparing to tell this story your whole life because of those (laughs) wonderful people in your life who made that an experience for you. Yeah, and thank you for phrasing it that way, because I didn't think about the fact that my whole life kind of led to this. You know, the the idea for this story came to me one night while I was driving at night through L.A. It, it just came to me suddenly, and I raced home and wrote the story down quickly and then spent months revising it. But, you know, I think what you said may be right. I think that the story has lived, lived in me all these years and it just took that one trigger that one night to tell me I should I should write this down (laughs) I feel like I feel like I'm back in therapy and how (laughs) just any any cue of the right word can bring everything back and how beautiful to create a story that in that way then is is Mm -hmm. a love letter to your parents 
in that moment yeah. of your childhood. Absolutely. It, it is it is a love letter to them. And, you know, when I told my parents uh, for the first time that our story was going to be made into a book, we were actually sitting in a restaurant together. And it was the first time I saw my father cry. Oh. So it was a very, very moving moment for me, for all of us, because, you know, he's a he's a very strong man and he doesn't really show his mo emotions all that much. And to know that he was so moved knowing that our story was going to be a book to share with the world. It was it was a very memorable moment for me. It strikes me that as children, what our parents do beyond mm -hmm. like a name for it is a bit mm -hmm. of a mystery. Um, I say that knowing that growing up, I, I told everyone, I remember from however young I was, I told everyone mm -hmm. that my dad was a computer analyst knowing mm. no idea what that meant. Right, right. <laughs> um, and when I was young, computers weren't gig <laughs> they weren't they weren't things that fit in your pocket or they weren't things that many yeah. people had at home. Um right. and there were a couple times that I can recall as a child that my dad would be on call and I would have to go in with him to his work. And oh, wow. and what it was like to go to this place that we drove past all the time that was then completely dark um so right. not only a strange place but a, a a place really sort of ominous because it was devoid of mm -hmm. of people um mm -hmm, there's these mm -hmm. moments that I'm, I'm i'm saying now to you because i saw them as well in in your story but what really struck me about about the life of night janitors is that when they do their job best, which is all the time when we go to work the next day and how clean things are. Right. It, it sort of reminds us, well, no, I'm going to say the other way. It's, it's the opposite. It, it, it does not, it fails to remind us how dirty we are sometimes. Yeah, and I think yeah, that your book yeah. really points to that. And you've, you've so carefully written your story to to respect everyone mm -hmm. in the story and their best intentions mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. at the same time acknowledge that that does mean that it's harder work for us the parents to clean up right right because yeah. these folks have just sort of grown accustomed to making things messy yeah it's what you say is so true. And, you know, during the day I work at a corporation, I work at Sony Pictures. So I try to be mindful of the fact that the kitchen is clean, the, rest, the restroom is clean, my office is clean because somebody cleaned it. Um, and I try, like you said, to be respectful of, of that labor. Um, it's easy to forget sometimes because, you know, like I mentioned before, these people come once everybody goes home and they they start cleaning once the office is empty and so it's so easy to forget that there are actually people and hands at work when the rest of us go home i love this is a profound line that you said you said the kitchen is clean because somebody cleaned it mm -hmm. i've never heard it phrased that way i've always heard like pick up after yourself so someone else doesn't have to pick it up but the notion mm -hmm. of Seeing it on the other side, do you like how clean things are? 
they are that way because someone cleaned them for us. Whether that was the class before you or uh, if Mm -hmm. it was your teacher or if more than likely it was it was the the custodial staff that did it. Um, I've, I've been blessed to work under principles that always, 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 um, centered and valued, um, the, that custodial staff, that janitorial staff, Mm. uh, for keeping our our school clean, for, for clearing sidewalks when it snowed for all of those things. Um, Mm -hmm. but it, it brings to mind now, Helena, how easily those individuals, how easily, if I speak directly, your parents could be invisible to everyone in that building. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So true. I, um, there's this line, the first line where, well, there's, there's lots of lines. I'm not going to say the first line because I could sit here and read your entire book to you because it's gorgeous (laughs) and wonderful. And the lines feel, you're welcome. Your text feels uh, deliberate. It is very playful. Mm-hmm. I will say for those that have not yet encountered this on its book birthday mm-hmm. <laughs> or whenever you listen uh-huh. to this, um, right. this is a story much like you were saying of your childhood of two parents that um, are going in, mama and papa are going in to clean this office space and they have to bring their son because mm-hmm. um, they don't have the normal, their, their aunt can't babysit and the neighbors, they call on the neighbors too much. Um, mm-hmm. The line, see, I'm going to, here I go quoting everything to you mm-hmm. um please yeah <laughs> the um <laughs> the child says too sleepy mama i'll wait for auntie clara and on the phone that was clara she can't come tonight can i stay upstairs with Dwayne's family no we asked them for too many favors papa said then i'll stay here by mm-hmm. myself i'll be good papa shook his head and helped daniel change out of his pajamas this acknowledgement of the many hands that help in our lives and and how we can acknowledge that to our children and when i read this book Mm -hmm. and i believe firmly that this is intentional mama and papa are such forces of calm and of Mm -hmm. helping to raise a good human but also affirm the other good humans in in their son's life right yeah yeah exactly and you're absolutely right that each word choice was was there for a reason. I feel like I went through about 50 revisions of this book to wow. make it what it is because I want it was such an important story to me that I wanted to make sure that every single word mattered and that the tone I was capturing was perfect. Um, and you know it, it even this book that I'm holding now, it, it took so many hands to create it from the editor to the illustrator to the art department. I mean, there are so many people involved in the making of this book. And so I wanted to cherish that by giving them a good story to work on, if you if you know what I mean. Uh, I wanted to make it as 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 representative of all the efforts as possible. <laughs> I love as well the work that Pascal Campion brings to yeah. the art of this story because I feel like mm-hmm he very effectively picked up on, on the tone and the, the just so way of wording things Mm -hmm. to bring other folks and other, to really make the setting what it is.
Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. So I know many of you have been listening for some time and you know that I am obsessed with audiobooks. And the reason why that is, is because one, I can listen to them wherever I go, and two, because frankly, I'm a terribly slow reader, and three, the only time in the day that I've really been able to carve out time to read is after a long day of teaching, after we've prepared dinner for the kids, and we've bathed them, and we've sent them to bed at the very end of the night. That's when I can read, and it is hard to read and get through a novel at that pace. So, thankfully, we have audiobooks. You know, now you've got lots of options when it comes to buying audiobooks, but what if you could support local bookstores at no extra cost to you? Did you know Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore? You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including those New York Times bestsellers, recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, I get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but I'm part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter WINNER. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. The, the text that I was originally going to share mm-hmm. um, leads us into the building, which um, there's this gorgeous, like, rainy, dark, dreary picture of the car coming toward the reader, if you will. Uh, yes. That yes, shot yes. is, mm-hmm. it's it's everything. It's so beautiful. It really is. Yeah, I love it. And I this... think... It yeah. echoes emotion we see on dad's face, this feeling of mm-hmm. of having to go in and perhaps perhaps it's 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 well it's all the things combined, isn't it? It's the mm-hmm. the fact that this car, the word you choose is their old car sputtered as they drove. You're giving us two words there to indicate that we need this car not to fail because mm-hmm. we need to do this job. And uh-huh. it's also raining and the, 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 the look on his face, it's sort of it's 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 life he's it's the yeah. life that we that now our kid has to witness mm-hmm. that i think we all want to protect our children from from um ever having to worry about them being provided for exactly and you're you're pointing at probably my favorite panel in the entire book i just love this this spread where you see the family driving to work at night because it so captures the essence of what I felt when I was little driving to work with my parents in our old car um, through empty Los Angeles. And this, this panel shows why I love picture books so much because you have an economy of words, just one sentence at the top, and then you see the amazing image by Pascal doing so much of the storytelling with the buildings in the background, the bare tree, the the old car and the family inside. I just, I just love this page. And it's all that background. Mm-hmm. It's all just noise too. Mm-hmm. When you really mm-hmm. study hard, it's just blocks of color. Yeah. It's, it's the dreary city behind. It's, it's that everyone is, is sort of asleep is sort of, 
you know, the, the city is different at night. It's that moment. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then the next page is this like dark foreboding building, <laughs> right? But yeah. But then we're bathed in light when we meet Sam, the security guard. And I love, mm-hmm. I love this phrase because I feel like it, it speaks to, it just speaks to people seeing you for who you, for who you are and where, where you are in, in the moment that they're seeing you. Uh, it reads, um, hello, Daniel, said Sam. Wow, you've grown. Soon you'll be as tall as me. Daniel doubted he'd grown to be a giant like Sam. Mm-hmm. I won't tell anyone he's here. Sam winked at Mama and Papa. Thank you, Sam, Papa said as they got in the elevator. Mm-hmm. That of of acknowledging the humanity in the situation. You're here. You're doing your job. Someone might tell you that this is not allowed. Right. But it's not going to be this person standing in front of you because we all mm-hmm. have to do what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I wanted to also convey that Daniel has been here before. It's not his first time. Um, Sam recognizes him. Sam's friendly towards him because they've interacted together before. Yes. And so I wanted to show that Sam's on their side and um, he may be a tall security guard, but he's, he's a friendly one. And I wanted the, the, the feeling of going to the office already feeling a little cheerful. I, I love that. I love that as we proceed through different, Mm -hmm. different rooms, Mm -hmm. here we get this, uh, story, right? This story of the paper Mm -hmm. kingdom. Yes. The story that may or may not be influenced from the very story that your Mm -hmm. mama and papa told you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But the notion of not only do these parents need to do their job, Mm -hmm. but, but the speaking to our job as a parent is also to be a parent. And when the two cross, we're left with, we adults are left with uh, reconciling the two and doing our job and also being a parent. You can't turn one off. Um, right. So that, that, <laughs> that, <laughs> the story that we go into of keeping the kingdom clean um, <laughs> is just, yeah. I don't know. It, it goes into um, the king and the queen and the dragons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was this always your your metaphor, the king and the queen and the dragons? It was the metaphor for the the workers and the boss and the assistants who may be at a corporate building. And, you know, I'll re- reveal something to you. The paper kingdom, the the whole concept of the paper king and the paper queen, that was completely from my imagination. My parents told me funny stories, but they didn't conjure up a paper kingdom or a paper king or paper queen. That was something that I added to the story to make it more fantastical. Yes. Mm-hmm. This idea of, of play, of fantasy, yes. of allowing time to pass because of wonder and curiosity Mm -hmm. and when you set up a likeness to a kingdom a monarchy um Uh then you also immediately get the question of fairness 
Mm-hmm. And you give Daniel that chance to ask about things being fair. Right. And I found that to be not only so natural, and I wonder if, for all the times that he's been here in this office mm-hmm. space, or whatever age mm-hmm. he was, I um, that, that I wonder, had the story changed? Has the perspective changed? And of course, as, as I've watched mm-hmm. my children grow up, mm-hmm. things do change because kids notice things differently and they ask different why questions. (laughs) Right. Right. When I was a child, I definitely saw my parents working hard and it definitely hurt a little bit to see them working and toiling. But for the purposes of the book, I really wanted to subtly layer in some, some social commentary, you know, about the haves and the have nots. And then about, you know, the the um, lack of social support because these people make such minimal wages that they can't afford childcare. You know, I wanted to weave in things like that without being so overt or um, heavy handed. And so weaving in the, the fantasy of the paper kingdom allowed me to kind of make that sort of social commentary while also being playful about it. I I think it works perfectly. And I... It made me think of, I mean, I, it's, it's this moment of, wow, I've never worked in corporate world, but I can totally see that this could be the way that things are. If I work with very young people and they just leave little scraps of paper everywhere, why wouldn't big people leave bigger things? Because you've got this, you've got this, um, where's the king? The, um... It's the paper kingdom, remember, said Papa. The king checks all the paper. And if anything has a mistake, out it goes. And I'm just picturing all of these mistakes and what it means to be <laughs> under corporate pressure to get yes. things done and correct and all that. And also, um, as much as Pascal may or may not have exaggerated the, the, the mess, we do need to be able to we need to be able to read mess in art. So that yeah. um is very effective. But it also reminded me that, like, when I'm, when when we are at um, lunch, when we are in the library, when we are wherever we are, the notion of whether it's a giant sheet of paper or a, you know, the cap to the the milk bottle or something, um, how often do we take notice and pick it up, or do we just walk by and leave it for someone else to pick up after us? Right. That yeah. Using using the the tool of a big white sheet of paper. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like it, it is is a great visual reminder to children that you can see all of mm-hmm. these things that are lying everywhere and sort of feel the preposterousness of why people would just leave it. But it's it also speaks to in your <laughs> yeah. social commentary. It speaks to uh well, I guess the word would be to entitlement to this notion mm-hmm. that well, I'm right. here to do this job. And someone else mm-hmm. is being paid to clean it up so they can clean it up. That's their job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think that um, one of the things I was trying to convey with this book is let, let's all try to be a little more conscientious of what we're doing in the spaces we occupy because uh, things don't clean themselves. And, um, you know, I, I do work at a corporation and it, it pains me when I see people leaving behind a huge mess in the kitchen because of what I've experienced 
as a child and seeing my parents cleaning up those messes, I think, you know, it would help if you just picked up that litter in that pile rather than just leaving it there. But, you know, I, I can't say that to my coworkers, but I, I do have that knee jerk reaction. I think that, I think that calling out adult behavior or a behavior <laughs> by adults is very hard. Yeah. Um, yes. Maybe in life, we, we learn that somewhere mm-hmm. along the line that like, it's hard to call out someone when they're being messy, but, mm-hmm. but, um, the, the perspective that you give mama and papa to give Daniel, I think is beautiful. Can I read just one more passage to you? Of course. Of um, course. you write, um, here, I'm going to read from him. I'm going to read a couple pages. Um, Daniel says, but why do you have to clean it all? It's not fair. I'm going to yell at the dragons. And he angrily threw a banana peel in the trash. No little bug. Only the king can yell at the dragons, Mama said. You know what that means? Daniel shrugged. Someday you'll have to be king, Papa smiled. And then you can sit in the throne room and tell the dragons to be nice and neat. Daniel liked the sound of that. Can I see the throne room again? Daniel sat in the tall chair and he closed his eyes and imagined a kingdom with small dragons who picked up their litter. In the castle, papers were piled high. In the throne room, the chair seemed to reach the sky. And then there's a great line. Remember, little bug, Mama whispered. Remember to be nice when you become king. The dragons work hard, too. Mm -hmm. She hummed as she wiped the windows. Helena, you give us constant reminders of humanity throughout this book of 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 respecting and maintaining dignity of all people Mm -hmm. um knowing that that people have shortcomings but that Mm -hmm. perhaps it's not as fair to just um throw stones at folks when they're not around when their backs are turned yeah Um, yeah I think you do. I, mean, I can, you said 50 drafts to get here. Oh gosh, I, at least. <laughs> I say every single one of those drafts, drafts was golden and was worth it. Uh, oh, and it was necessary so much, because where you are now, mm-hmm. this book, there's no way this book would have been uh, what it was had it, had it been um, not so carefully thought after and cared for i'm grateful that it came out this way i'm grateful that they chose pascal to do the art because i feel like um he as well really cared for daniel Mm -hmm. and his family Mm -hmm. and other families like daniel Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely and thank you so much for all the kind words you're saying i feel like i want to talk to you every day to feel good This is. If this only is we great. recorded this conversation and you could play it back. No, I'm just kidding. I know, I know. <laughs> Gosh, that would be a true gift to me to be able to just play it every time I'm feeling insecure or down about my writing. No, this is this is really great, and I feel so blessed that my editor told me that as soon as Pascal read my manuscript, he jumped on the project. He he loved the story so much that he absolutely wanted to illustrate it. So I'm so glad that it's been resonating with people and with Pascal. And, um, you know, I, I tried to be careful with my wording while also maintaining that 
playfulness. It was it was a tough balance, and I think that's why I went through so many drafts because I there were things I wanted to say, but I wanted to say them in an interesting, fun way, not in a didactic or heavy-handed way. So achieving that balance was was pretty tricky, and that's why it went through so many rounds. Well, I I think that what resulted, as we've said earlier too, is is a book that will last, a book that will stay. Oh, and that's thank you. really important. If you're going to do this, you have this one, well, every book that comes mm-hmm. out, you just have that one shot because once yep. it's out, that's it. Absolutely. And, you know, today is your release day. I've, I've brought this up mm-hmm. before with folks. Um, I once heard Mo Willems say mm-hmm. in an interview that when he writes a book, it's 49% his but 51% the readers and invariably Mm. the readers will have ownership and should have ownership and will tell you things that were in your book that you didn't even realize were there. And, and I'm grateful that you, that you took the care to give the best thing you could for the readers that will now today and forward find your book and read it. And I, it's my wish for you, Helena, that those, readers and the adults in those readers' lives help bring their voices and their 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 reactions and and their connections back to you because I think that doesn't often happen or maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't happen as, as often as it should. Mm-hmm. Um but but I hope that I hope that this book finds its readers, but also that there are readers that find themselves in your book and, and have the great opportunity to tell you that they, that they, they felt seen. Oh, thank you, Matthew. You are my ideal reader. You've noticed all the little details and the nuances I was trying to add. So thank you. I'm so grateful. I, um, I I appreciate the opportunity to read, to read your book. And, And it's one that, um, that I have that great privilege of now getting to read to children. So, I would like to <laughs> children that aren't my own. I should clarify. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I want to talk about those those children that are not my own, or mm-hmm. give you a chance rather yeah. to talk directly to them. Um, but first, I want to say thank you for setting time aside to talk to me tonight on your release. No, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, release less. date. <laughs> thank you so yeah. much. It's been it's been a fun interview, and I'm so moved by everything you've told me and your reaction to the book. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear those reader reactions as well and how they they move yeah. you. But I digress. Mm-hmm. First, mm-hmm. there's something that I would like for you to give to them. Sure. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Helena, is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Sure. Um, I remember having so much fun as a kid, but I also remember some really, really tough days. So I just want to tell the kids out there that Um, When you're having a day that doesn't feel good, whether you're not getting along with your parents or you have an argument with one of your friends, try to turn to something that you love. For me, I always loved books. I always loved reading because it made my imagination soar. So if you're having a bad day, just turn to something you love to do, whether it's drawing or skateboarding or walking your dog. And pretty soon you might start to feel a little bit better. So that's what I want to say. 
Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.